Father, we come before you to lift you up, lift up your name, give you all the praise, the glory, and honor that is due to your name. We are grateful and thankful that you are our God. We are your people. So, Father, we're going to pray and seek you on behalf of ministries in our country. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that Christian ministries will be founded on God's truth, anointed by God's power, and well supported by God's people and all people. We pray for those who labor and specialize ministries to effectively increase the impact of local churches. Thank you, Jesus. We also pray that we as a body of Christ operate in wisdom, humility, compassion, patience. That we learn to to be honest and to seek you first so that your people can be edified and you can be glorified. So Father, I ask you to be here present with us as we go into your word, seeking to know and to understand the mysteries of your word. And anyone that needs to hear the message you have prepared today, Father, that your angels will bring them in to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Keep us encouraged never to become downtrodden by the things that we see with our natural eye, but to keep our focus on you, Father, because the greater you have prepared for us. We can't see with our natural eye, but we can receive with our spiritual eye. So I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. This is part three of the supremacy and adequacy of Christ. And uh, coming out of Colossians 1, verses 15 through 29, with what we will um, prayerfully complete tonight. Amen? Okay, so let's go to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Colossians 1, and we're going to begin with verse 15. And... Uh, go through 29, but I, I think I'm going to break them up in parts and we'll, we'll dialogue on them and then read it as we come to it. Amen. And so verse 15 says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, it makes more sense had we, con um, I read the scriptures preceding, preceding that, but it is talking about Jesus Christ and that we're giving thanks to God uh, because, because of Jesus. It made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints, and it also get, put us in a relationship with, with the Father. So I'm going to read that verse again. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, we're t this particular verse is talking about Jesus as the creator of all things. And so, in my commentary, it says, um, 
Firstborn here signifies two things, and these two things that I'm about to mention are actually traditional based on the Hebrew race, not the two things that is the main focus that we want to think about, because we're talking about Christ being the firstborn of every creature, but it does not mean nothing was created before him, okay? That God did not create other humans before Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus coming as a human, not in divinity. Amen. And so it says the firstborn here signifies two things. Temporary priority. As the firstborn child in a family is born before his brothers and sisters, similarly, Christ existed before creation. He existed before the universe was created and owing to the privilege usually given an oldest child, firstborn also signifies positional priority. The firstborn in a family was customarily according more honor, greater authority, or larger share of the inheritance, and so held a privileged position in relation, in relation to his brothers and sisters. In like manner, Christ as the firstborn occupies a position supreme over the universe, Therefore, when Paul declares Christ to be the firstborn of every creature, the apostle does not mean that he is the first person whom God created. Paul in instead means that Christ is earlier than as well as preeminent in all creation because Christ created all things. When God spoke all the creation in place, he spoke it in the three personalities that he represent, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen? So it shows who Jesus is. Okay, in verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth or on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, um, I'm working on two different pages of notes because I had did notes last week for this, and then I came up with some, some more information on, on this week. And so this, for, this verse verifies why Jesus is called the firstborn, since all things were created by him. And uh, as, we, as we read um, the commentary, then we'll get a better understanding. See, we are justified by Jesus, and anything else that was created by Jesus can only be justified by Jesus. So this is what... My uh, commentary is saying, this verse provides the reason Christ is called the firstborn in verse 15. Paul's rationale is this. Since by him were all things created, then Christ must have existed before the universe. Yes. And he must be greater than all that he had made. That includes thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers which all refer to angelic beings, okay? And it says thrones refer to angels who sat on thrones as rulers. Dominions refer to 
domains or kingdom over which these heavenly beings reign. Now, remember, we have good angels and bad angels. So we're talking about the heavenly angels. Principalities refer to rulers and powers refer to angelic monarchs who wield legal, regal power. Since Christ created these various ranks of angels, he is supreme over them, striking a blow at the Colossian here because they were worshiping some false religion and idols, okay? So this is why um, he's bringing this up to kind of bring conviction to them for their false heresy when they have been taught in a different foundation that they were not following through with. So, um, if we would read Psalms 103, let's turn over there for a minute. It really confirms what Paul is talking about and how we're to handle angels because a lot of people worship angels. They don't know any better. So, they worship angels. But uh, in Psalms 103, if we read verses um, 20 through 22, it says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all, you, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, Psalms 103 is, is all about recognizing the character of the Lord and all of his blessings. So he's referring to every creation to bless the Lord. Now, I want you to think about something because all of nature blesses the Lord because it does what it was created to do. Animals, flowers, the air, everything that's in, 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 uh, in our world that's created and now everything was created by God. When it does what it was created to do, it's blessing the Lord. Okay. And so in 20, he, he's saying for all of the angels to bless the Lord, but, and to excel in strength, do the work that God's word is the, commanding them to do at the time they hear it spoken. So remember, angels are only going to operate based on hearing God's word, not because of something you said that does not line up with his word, because they only obey his commands. And so if you want the angels to do, you, we all have ministering angels, and if you want them to work on your behalf, they have to hear the word of God. So you can't tell the angels do such and such. Amen. Okay, and then in 21, he says, Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that, that do his pleasure. Now, ministers here actually means uh, servants. Yeah. Who are God's servants? We are. We are. We are God's servants. And so it's saying to, to do what you have been called to do, to do what you have been anointed to do. And to bless the people so it brings pleasure to the Lord when we do what, we, what we're supposed to do. Now, I'm, I'm going to, thank you, Father. I'm going to bring this down even to a natural aspect. Because there's some things that some of us are capable of doing and gifted to do more than others. 
And therefore, we've been put in a position to do more than others. Okay? So, do we do it? Or do we complain because of what they're not doing? Amen? I just got this revelation, so don't think I premeditated this. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, because actually, when we do that, we're not just blessing the recipients of our ability, but God is glorified and he's blessed and you're bringing pleasure to him. Now, the other thing is, this is for all of us. This, this is for me as well. When we do that and do it with the right mindset, God is doing the greater in us than we can even imagine. And he will also give us the extra strength and the extra ability to do what we feel we physically and emotionally cannot do because we seem to be overworked. But he, he already knew what we could possibly do. Amen? And so we're supposed to exemplify who Jesus is on the earth. Let his dominion be realized through us. So there's more expected out of us than what we actually realize. Okay, let's go back over to uh, Colossians. And verses um, uh, 17. Because, see, when you read that 16, you, we, the first thing we think about, since we do know about, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers. And, you know, that's the dark side of principalities, rulers, and powers. This is the light side. This is God's angels. Because remember when Lucifer uh, had fallen and some of the angels followed him, those are the fallen angels that we war against. And the good angels are the angels who work on behalf of the Lord. And we all have been signed ministering angels we all have been assigned ministering angels, and those angels are there to help us to do what we can't do. Do you realize that? So when, when we are weak and we're low, those angels are there to help build us up. Now, the key again is what puts, puts them on the job is what you're saying. So if you're, not, if you're not speaking the word, they're not operating. And if you're speaking gloom, doom, doubt, anger, whatever, they're not operating. Right. So if you want them to operate and, and, to, and to minister to you the way they were created to do, you have to speak God's word. So what does that mean? When I'm in a, a situation that is overwhelming, or when I'm in a situation that will cause me want to speak out something striking, then I have to stop and I'll say, uh, right on my tongue, Lord, set a guard around the door of my lips so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. So I'm speaking words that's going to bring correction and stop me in my tracks. The, so the angels minister that, okay? Um, when I've, I'm, I'm um, on a duty and I can't come off of it yet, but I'm feeling exhausted, then I have to say, I can do all, do all things through Christ who strengthens me and the angels work on, on my behalf. Amen? Amen? 
So it's, 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 it's important that we speak the right thing. And it's not easy because we're um, um, having a, a, a spiritual uh, influence or presence in a human body, a body that's frail. And so we have to remind ourselves, and sometimes we have to even repent and say, God, forgive me to get on the right track. But the good news is, he says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins. So the moment that you do that and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you're back in right standing with God. And when we begin to speak what thus says the Lord, then he's back on our side helping us. So we got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and ministering angels. We, we do. You know, and that's something we have to remember and try to think of more often to see that you're not going to fail. Victory is on our side. And, and what's going to keep us, what's going to cause us to fall is what we say that put, put the wrong principalities in operation. Amen? So we have to keep on trying to remind ourselves, even sometimes um, when the wrong thoughts come up, I'll say, I cast down vain imagination and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Because the, those thoughts are going to come up, especially when they've been provoked by someone's actions or something they said to you. But we have to remember, in order to win the battle, because the Lord says, vengeance is mine, and I will repay. And so we have to really struggle to stay focused on Jesus Christ so that he can fight our battle but keep us in the right track so that we get to the end and be victorious when we arrive there. Amen. 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 Okay, so back to Colossians, and we're going to continue reading. We'll pick it up in verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Oh, my God, this, this, this is, um, I'm getting, ooh, okay, I don't even know how to speak it out. So he's the, Jesus is the beginning of everything. He's the cause for everything. If it wasn't for Jesus' sacrifice to come as a man, suffer on the cross, die, and then rise from the dead, there would be no need. There would, I mean, there would be no church of faith. Yes. No church of faith, no grace, no truth, no peace, and no joy. If it hadn't been for Jesus' sacrifice, we wouldn't have a church. That's right. Okay? It would be many religions that worship idols with more wars, calamity, and all sin. Do you realize without, okay, think about what we already know that is existing in our world, false religions, different forms of worship and everything. Um, I, I, I um, got a uh, text today. They sent me uh, a copy of that on, in April. April, I forgot the dates, but it's like the early part of April, 
um, they're having a, um, I forgot what they call it, worship fest in Southfield, what is about a bunch of, of, of um, readers, voodoos, um, diviners. Well, they call it worship, okay. Um, witches, all of this kind of stuff. They're actually having a festival. Y'all need to hear what I'm saying, okay? They're actually having a festival in Southfield. In Southfield, yeah, at, at, um, at a hotel. And where they would, you know, they read your fortune and they got, and they're saying, we want to help you. Now, if Jesus didn't come on the scene, that would be the whole world. But we have a reproof because we don't have to deal with that. And, 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 and depend on that kind of force to, su uh, to support us and to lift us up. How can, that, how can they lift you up to where? How can you be blessed when the whole situation is cursed? So this is why we need to be so grateful and thankful that God provided Jesus Christ as a savior to, to take us out of that. Although we live in the world, we're not part of the world, and we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. Now, I shared that because I want you to be mindful to be praying in advance that it, does, it is not successful. Because, see, they get paid for their services. They charge a fee for all of those services. So you pay that financially it is a flop to stop it. Or, or ask the Holy Spirit to advise you how to pray that down so it doesn't manifest. Because there are going to be some innocent people who do not understand the dynamics of what they're getting themselves into when they go to this festival seeking for somebody to tell their fortune. Exactly. And looking and seeking. Exactly. Exactly. Because they don't know what they really need. And we're not expressing what they really need, which is Jesus Christ. Now, you have to remember that in the beginning was signs of all of this kind of a lifestyle. The fallen angels who followed Lucifer, okay? Mm -hmm. You got these evil angels working. And then Adam and Eve fell for the lie of the, uh, uh, from the snake mm -hmm. you, that was used by Satan. And, and went against their Lord. Because, see, when you follow that kind of stuff, you can act innocent if you want to. You're going against the Lord. Yeah. Okay? And, and so the, um, they became an enemy to God. And that caused a separation. And so what did what God had to do? God had to slain an animal. Take the skin from the slain animal who shed blood on their behalf in order to reconcile them back to him, or to cover them. Let me put it this way, to cover their new exposure to sin, okay? Wow. That was symbolic of the Savior who was coming, Jesus, the precious lamb who came to save the world. That He was the atoning person to save us. So because one man sinned, it took another man, Jesus had to come as a man, it took another man to come to save us. Okay, oh help me Holy Ghost.
Jesus' atonement was absolutely necessary and was the only way that we could be atoned and it would bring us back in right relationship with God. It was the only way. Okay? Even what, what God did in the garden with Adam and Eve was just the beginning to hold until Jesus came on the scene. Okay? Now, by grace and mercy, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. God's grace and mercy was operating. And even with Abraham and Sarah, by grace and mercy, God used them as the core to fix things because the line of Jesus comes through their line, genealogy, until the time come. Okay, why am I saying this? Help me, Holy Ghost, to get this together. It's because it's in, Jesus, it's in God's timing when and how he's going to fix things and turn things around. Okay? But until he does it, his grace and mercy has been extended to us to keep us and to keep us in perfect peace until that time comes. Okay? So that was what was keeping Abraham and Sarah because they had been given the promise. And it was through his loins, his genealogy, was the promised Savior was coming to save the world. All right? Now, what the Lord does, hallelujah, Jesus, what the Lord does, he takes what the enemy does and reverse it back onto him. Okay? He reverses what the spirit of darkness does in order to bring victory and peace to mankind. All right, let's go to a few scriptures to, to, to support that. First of all, let's go over to uh, Psalms 92. And we also have to remember this, that Satan used people like the Lord does. Okay, so to get his darkness uh, going, he uses people and they don't know they're being used. Okay, so we have to stop warring against flesh and blood and war against the powers and the principalities behind them. Now, there are levels of warfare and people who are being used by Satan who don't have a clue that they're being used, then that's the power behind them. But people like that's going to have this fest coming up. Those are principalities and rulers because they know they're being used and they want to be used. Okay? So, and Psalms 92 verse 11 says, My eye also shall see my desire on my enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. In other words, we're going to see and we're going to hear what God is going to do to the wicked and to, and to the enemy. All right. Let's go over to 37. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Um, verses 9 through 12. Says this. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord. They shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while. And the wicked shall not be. Yea thou shall diligently consider his place. And it shall not be. 
the wicked will be done away in a little while. Okay. See, a, a little while to God is a whole different time span for us. But I want to tell you the reason why is because we who say we believe in him and trust in him are not doing what we're supposed to do. They keeps God's hand up operating against the enemy. Okay. He says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotted against the just gnashed upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him. For he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out his out the sword and have bit their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Upright conversation is that you're speaking the truth, which goes against the majority. Okay, their sword should enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. So with the enemy set out to destroy uh, 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 the, the innocent and the righteous needy is going to ricochet back on the enemy and, and the, and the righteous will be saved. Yeah. He says a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked yeah. for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholded the righteous. Now this should be inspiring good news based on our times right now that we're living in our country. Okay. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Okay. He's saying, don't be ashamed during these times. And everybody that's present right now tonight can Definitely say, during this famine time, you have been satisfied. Praise God. Amen. 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 That's what I'm saying. We need to rejoice, okay, because we're living out this word. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemy of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. The wicked borrowed and pay it not again. But the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. What is he saying? When the righteous give, mm -hmm. you gain far more than what you give out. Amen. Okay? So you don't even have to, have to worry. That is our financial plan doing a time like this where the finances are being challenged is not where you find the, a good investment or uh, the bank that's going to give you the greatest percentage on your money and all of that stuff. No, you know how your finances are going to increase is that you find a good cause to invest in besides your church and, in, and, and help somebody financially and see how God multiply what you give out especially with your tithes and offering in, in, in the church. And this is not a plea. This is a reality. This is a plea for you to, you to get the precept so that you can reap the benefits and the promises that God says as a result of obeying the precepts, okay? You can't, the Bible says, you can't beat God's giving. When you give, and that's our only resource. So now that you're, back is up against the wall, try God. 
Try God and see what he will do for you. Amen. If he's going to fight our battles, uh, physical battles, how much more will he do for some other things that we encounter that deals with our emotional aspect and our physical aspect? Amen. Okay, let's go over to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 14 through 24. This is the promise of deliverance. And God promised to deliver us. Let me tell you, you don't need a prophet to come and tell you that he's going to deliver us from this. He does it all the time. Okay. And, and, and all through his word, he talks about how he's with us, how he would deliver us from evil, how he would help us. So you don't need a prophet to tell you that God is going to deliver us out of this dilemma. And it is a dilemma that man came up with. This has nothing to do with nature. I'm talking about the epidemic has nothing to do with nature and science. This is man-made. And every all through the Bible in the Old Testament, when God had to come to the aid of his people, it was the result of evil done through people. Okay. So verse 14 of Second Chronicles 20 says, then upon Jehazel, Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mat Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of As Asap, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inheritance of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reasons of this great multitude, because it seems great and mighty. But he says, don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid for the battle is not yours, but God. Okay. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Zai, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the before the wilderness of Jerusalem, and you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you, and with the Lord is with you. There's more with you than that are against you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. You know what he was doing? Worshiping and praying and praising his Lord. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohites or whatever, and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. See, that's where we're missing it. Are we praising him? Amen. Are we thanking him? And are we grateful for what we have and where we are? No, we're too busy fretting and worrying about what we don't have and how we're going to get it. Just praise him, worship him, and give your donation, your offerings, or whatever, and watch and see what the Lord is going to do. And it says, and they rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. 
And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Since he appointed singers, praisers, okay, that should praise the beauty of holiness. Mm. As they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy and do it forever. Let me tell you, you don't have to have a, 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 a bunch of phrases or, or just have a, 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 a litany of, of verses that you just can quote because you sound. Just say that one verse. Over and over and over again. What happened? You become a believer of it and God will manifest it. Okay. Now listen. It says that when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Amma, Moab, and Mount Seir. Those were the enemies. Which were come against Judah and they were smitten. Whoa. Okay. What happened? They were defeated. The enemy was defeated. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Now this is one I really love. Utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. They start killing each other. That's what that means. They start killing each other. Remember I said that the Lord would take what the enemy do and run it back on him to destroy him. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. Wow. That's Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to give you something that we need to, uh, um, we need to be praying and, and, and praising God for it because our hope is in the Lord. And it doesn't end with, with another individual. It doesn't end because of another individual that has gotten in your way and reaping havoc in your life. Okay? It doesn't end to, to God says it's over. And when he says it's over, it means you're supposed to be victorious. Amen. Okay, this is what we need to pray. Psalms 79. O oh God, the heathen are come into thy inheritance, thy holy temple they have defiled. Now, when you hear that, don't think about a building. Think about your person. If someone have offended you, okay, they have. Psalm 79. Mm-hmm. They have defiled uh, thy holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. Let's put Michigan. No, let's put the United States of America on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of, the, of thy saints unto the beasts of the earth, their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn, derision to them that are round about us. That is so true. How long, Lord, will thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? 
Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee and upon the kingdom that have not called upon thy name. Yes, Lord, pour out your wrath on this upcoming festival of heathens who don't know you and their kingdom is trying to rise up against your kingdom, Lord. For they have devoured Jacob or they have devoured your covenant people here in the United States of America and lay waste his dwelling place. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is thy God? Let them, let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants, which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoners come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die. And render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Now, you, 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 we need to pray this every day. Because there are heathens out there. Ah, I don't know about y'all, but that just lifted me up. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, um, let's go back to Colossians. Okay, I, um, I, I left off at 20, right? Okay, let's read uh, 20 through 29. I'm going to. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have that been reconciled. Remember when we talked about um, uh, what Adam and Eve did in the garden? what um, Lucifer did, okay, they were alienated from the Lord because of their wicked works, okay? He says, 22, in the body of his flesh through death, we're talking about Jesus, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. It says that through Jesus Christ, accepting Jesus Christ, he presents us as righteous with no blame. Yes. Amen. And nothing anybody can do to come against us. Okay? And that we will stay steadfast in that righteousness. We to stay steadfast in that. That means our responsibility is to receive it. Receive that gift from Jesus and act it out. Don't just receive it and sit back and wait and see what God is going to do for you. You're to act out who you have become. Okay. Grace states what you states, what you cannot do in the flesh. In other words, you don't have to worry about, well, I don't know. I ain't good at that. No, 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 no. All you are, you've been marked righteousness. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Stop talking about, well, I don't think I didn't stop it. Grace will step in and allow you to be and do what you've been marked to do. Amen. Because the Lord is going to do it in and through you by his spirit. Amen. And if you will be 
you will be preserved in the faith and remain loyal to Christ. You have to persevere so that you will stay preserved. Your faith keeps you and his grace keeps you so that you will remain in Christ. That's the whole issue, to remain in Christ and not let the things that come against us in the natural pull us away, snatch us away from the Lord. All things are revealed by your trust in him. And that will determine your victory, how victorious you're going to be and what the end is going to be, which means your deliverance, glory, and your new life that you are able to accomplish in Christ by faith and grace. Nothing will or can change that as long as you keep your trust in God and giving him all of your problems that you can't fix anyway. He's the only one that can fix it. So don't be deceived. Amen. Yeah. Thinking. I hear people saying what they got to do. No, you don't have to do nothing but put your mouth on the word of God and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's going to do it. You can't. If you could fix it, you never would have been in this shape. Yeah. I'll finish reading this. Okay, let me see. Where did I leave off at? Did I read 23? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Mm. Grounded and settled mean that you're going to stay steadfast. Okay? And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. He's, he's like... Seeing where you are and the reason why, I can rejoice though I had to suffer. Okay? And filled up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is in the, in, in, in the church. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which faith been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is in Christ, in, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in in me mightily. Okay, um, let's break this down. If you will pursue and persevere in faith, mm -hmm. then you can remain loyal to, to Christ. Amen. Okay? All right, that's, that's a given point. Now, because this is what Paul is saying, to stay faithful to Jesus Christ because he will keep you, but also he will reveal to you things that will allow you to be able to hold on to stay the course by the mysteries that is revealed in you, to you by divine revelation. Mysteries is a divine truth that cannot be comprehended by a natural man because it's revealed by the Holy Spirit who only dwells and believers or covenant people, you may want to call them. And that's covenant with Jesus Christ. 
So what is he saying? That God has a way to reveal mysteries to us that we can't even begin to phantom because we belong to him. And that's why the natural man can't understand how you can stand and have faith and be joyful in a time of trouble and turmoil because he, they don't understand how you're functioning, but you are because Christ is keeping you and he's, and he's revealing mysteries to you to keep you going so that you don't faint and you don't fall away. What is the mysteries? It's his word. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this word doesn't, you can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. And if you can't comprehend it, you can't use it to your good. Amen. Amen. So the enemy don't know the word like this. Amen. Amen. And, and so we have the we have the upper hand because God is going to reveal his mysteries to us. And those mysteries are the things that keep us and keep us from falling. And also where we can see the hope of glory in us through Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, the Lord reveals these truths by his word and teachers to inform and equip believers to overcome and to walk in his peace. So you can read the word and he can reveal it to you directly or that he will have teachers who he's revealing it to who can speak it to you for you to get it and the whole purpose of you getting it is to inform you in the kingdom of God and to equip you to become an overcomer what do you overcome you overcome everything in this world because Jesus says I have already overcome and if you're in me you're able to overcome what I have already overcome and to walk in my peace and my joy amen this means in, 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 in verse 28, when it talk about perfect, what it means to be whole in Jesus. So don't be frightened because you'll be like, well, ain't nobody perfect. You're right. But Jesus. But it's not that kind of perfect. It's talking about to be whole in Jesus. That means mental and moral character. You have good mental and moral character because we grow in Christ. With these mysteries, it's taken us from levels of growth and taken us up higher and higher. You don't stay the same. You don't stay a baby forever with Christ. You grow in him. And your character should be growing along with your spiritual growth. If your character isn't changing, how spiritual can you really be? Amen? We're supposed to be growing in him. And, and this growth takes us from one level to another. You hear about from faith to faith, glory to glory. Okay, well, that's what happens when we are in Jesus Christ. Why is that necessary? Because without it, you can't overcome. You can't overcome what he's already overcome because you can't even comprehend what he's overcome. Because you ain't in the word and you don't know, you can't receive the mystery of the word because you haven't accepted his spirit who wants to reveal these things to you to show you how I've already done that. I'm going to take you through this. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance 
upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.